come with us. Into the wild wood.
Welcome, fellow travelers, into the Wildwood Pagan podcast with your hosts, myself, Lee, and Rev Kai. No, no. Yes. No. Um, right then. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not checked out the link in the description, please do so. The link tree you'll find as on Discord, and we have, do have a Facebook group, but I think Discord server is the, the active area. Uh, continue discussions that we have here. Ask any questions you like, etc., etc., and check out our website. All right, and give us a thumbs up, and share, and comment, and put some questions in the the live chat over there, and all those good things. All so, the yeah. all the things, <laughs> all the things, all the things. All right, uh, let's start us off by saying hello to Lady Capera. Yolandi, uh, Luna, and Popmies, thanks for joining us today. Hope everybody right. had a good solstice, wherever you are. Whether it was yes, a hot solstice, solstice or a cold solstice. It's a very hot solstice. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we start today, we just want to announce we are going to be stopping the astrology forecast for a while. Um, we did consult the oracles, and they said, just hold off for a while. Um, so we're going to see what's going on, and maybe later on we will introduce something slightly different. Um, but we'll, we'll see what pops up anyway. So next week we're going to be, today we're doing Compass Round, which is very traditional witchcraft. And next week we're going to be having a look at circle casting or other circle casting techniques. Um, which will probably just envelop the ceremonial aspect of things. All right. Or they might kind so, of bleed together as our conversations do. Yeah. I'm sure they will. Uh, but I think that's that's why we we decided to do them one week after the other because they go hand in hand. All right. So let's see. Lady Cavera is in Sparks, Nevada today, and it's cold and hella foggy. We have a weather report. Um, Yolandi said the oracle said, please hold to the heart in the way. I'm so sorry. I don't know why they put the heart in this spot. Uh, to me and played elevator music. <laughs> uh, I don't know why YouTube put this heart in this bottom right corner because it covers text, which is really silly. Yeah, I wish they would put it in the top corner because you've already read the messages that are up there instead of yeah. right at the bottom where the new messages come in. And you can't move it. You mm -hmm. can't drag it around somewhere else. But anyways. I did, tr I did try one day, so I gave myself a lot of hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I end up kind of playing with the scroll bar and can I see it? No. <laughs> okay, so the compass round. Um, I think the biggest question that always comes up with a compass round is why compass round? Why not a circle? Because it's a circle. Um, and so I've actually seen somebody actually say that traditional witch witches are very elitist and snobby because they have to name it differently. Well... Uh, <laughs> The compass round mm. is not the same as casting a magic circle. 
the mm. the similarities are that they that the process of laying the compass round is also circular that's it that's where the similarities end mm. everything else is is quite different yeah and that's that's why we're actually keeping them separate um so that we can actually focus on the the, the, the details of each one uh just just Joanna has joined us hello Oh. Doggy, Doggy is also getting in today again. Yes. Opinions, opinions. <laughs> I think he's done. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have more to say later. Don't worry. That's good. <laughs> very vocal these days. So, mm. um, casting a circle when we talk about modern neo-wicca um, and modern neo-paganism is part of a magical operation right it's a thing that is done um, but the compass round is not the compass mm. round is um, a worldview a philosophy an understanding of how everything is put together and there is a technique called laying the compass um, that varies quite a lot and that can be done in a circle it can also be done as a square and a couple of other shapes too um, that is used sometimes but it's not a required component in order to do magic the way that a casting a magical circle is in modern neo-wicca and modern neo-paganism or in mm. ceremonial magic yeah. I think the word itself actually says all um, speaks, you know, speaks volumes because it's a compass. And when we have a physical compass in our hand, it tells us which way to go, um, how to find certain places, certain lands. Well, um, it helps you navigate. But I, I like yeah. that it's called a compass because it still harkens to both ideas of a compass, or I should say all three. Um, one is, you know, the the thing with a magnetic uh, needle floating that helps you find magnetic north. There's mm. that compass. And in order for that to be useful, you need to know some stuff about the map you're reading or the territory you're in or something. Just knowing which way is north is not enough, right? It's just one piece of the puzzle. The other kind of compass is um, the thing with with two legs and a, a little point at the top where you stick one leg down and the other leg goes around and sub, um, circumscribes a circle. And mm. then the other kind is a variation on that where you have a center point and a string and a marking tool and it goes around and it circumscribes a circle. Um, so the compass and laying the compass encompasses uh, um, <laughs> includes all of those ideas <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, we, we do actually see that quite a lot well the third one anyway um when we put something like the stang in the center um and then you uh put your cord on it and circumscribe the circle mm -hmm. that is yeah yes. yeah circumscribe um i yeah and you know the 
the cord itself is a compass because the knots are worked as part of the locations on the compass um, and it's used to lay the compass when you need to put it on the earth uh, along with a stang and a bladed instrument a knife a plow something like that um, but usually a knife uh, but then also the cord when it is circled around you whether that's around your neck or around your waist or around your thigh or around your arm represents the compass round also because the knots have captured the airts or the winds of the compass at each stage and then you are in the center of the many wheels that the cord encircles hmm. yeah i think when it comes to the cord itself and the knots in them um people vary a lot with that um you know you're speaking about capturing the the winds um other people it's marking certain points in the body mm, that's a measure um, not a cord okay all right i've always seen them sort of as the same thing i've was taught they're different things so okay. a cord is a magical tool probably mm -hmm. the most um I'd say the stang or a stick, uh, the cord and the knife are like the three basic magical tools. And then there's the cauldron, um, which is a magical tool, but it's kind of separate off to its own thing because that's the way witchcraft works. It's always three in one. It's not four. Um, so the cord is uh, what we work with on through as it, it binds things it ties things it pulls stuff out of the timeline the linear timeline that it represents so that you can work outside of time so that you can jump from one point to another so that you can move through that that linear concept of time that is the outside of the compass or the outside of the circle um, and a measure um, is usually not as thick. I mean, my cord is uh, like that big around. It's a pretty thick cord. And of course, I, you know, spun the threads and plied them and um, 108 of them in order to make up the cord and then twisted and everything else to build the cord before I worked the wheel to put the knots in it. And I think that's pretty traditional too. Most of the traditional witches I've met, you know, they they do the whole thing. It's it takes a couple of years to make a cord because um, you have to you have to work it at the right <clears throat> you have to work it at the right time um, and, and all of that sort. And then um, in my tradition, at least, this is not something that I found universally, but I know other people in other traditions that work this way. You make it white ish or unbleached um cheaper kind of tan um usually not pure white it's not bleached and then as you work it turns red and when you meet someone that has a fully red cord you know they've been a witch a long ass time because that takes a long ass time to turn all of that cord red it's not really red it's um dark rusty brown you know or black in some spots so, um, but a measure, right, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
doesn't stay red. Um, but yeah. I've also, uh, we had, um, when my dame turned uh, 95, we had a big celebration for her birthday and everything else. And one of the things that uh, the 18 covens that had hived from her gifted her was the threads for a red cord. We had all plied these threads and made them all together and started them as red. And then she made a new cord from that. So I don't know if that was like a traditional thing or it was just a neat idea that, you know, this group of people came together to do. Uh, mm. But, you know, so there, I'm sure there's variation in that, whether it's a an actually blooded cord or not. And my cord is a little over nine foot finished. So it's definitely taller than me, um, mm. all laid out by quite a bit. But my measure is exactly my length, head to foot, and then has knots in it that mark the different points on the body. And it's it's a thread. It's this is not it, but it's about it's about that thick with knots right. in it. And mm. it it stays curled up in a little box and and protected. It's not taken out. It's not worn. It's not anything like that. Mm, okay. Oh, all right, because there's a lot of people. They don't mention the two different ones. I'm sort of thinking of um, people who have written uh, books on traditional witchcraft and heritage specific tools and things like that. It's always spoke about the cord. Um, and you know, she's thinking about it. There's no mention of a measure. Unless you go back into Gardnerian. Yeah, the. Aspect. The measure seems to come from Gardnerian ceremonial kind of stuff. And the measure is specifically, it's it's a poppet, it's a talisman that is a stand-in you. And the reason you have a measure when you are initiated is to give it to your initiators, your teachers, so that they can protect you, so that they can have that function, so that when you go out and inevitably do something stupid, and the magical consequences come running down the line, they hit that measure first before they hit you. And your initiators keep that measure until such a time as you're big enough in your britches to protect yourself and take your own lumps, at which point you get it back and you get to decide, you know, do I keep it? Um, do I destroy it, ritually unmake it? Whatever you want to do at that point, I keep mine in a little box protected just like I'd keep um, a, a poppet or a talisman or any other kind of thing that helps protect me that gets the lumps before I do. Mm. Yeah, so a bit like a witch's bottle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, so we did go off a bit track, off, off track a bit. Um, uh, it's all tools. in here. It's all in here, <laughs> yeah. I think, because... <laughs> The compass round is, is, in my opinion, it's the traditional witchcraft worldview. It, it's everything. It encompasses yeah. everything. It's how we view the world. It's how we put everything together. It's how we understand what spirit is who and where they come from and how we understand the winds. Um, you know, if you can't whistle up the winds, I can't whistle, so I always quote that. <laughs> I call up the winds in a different way because I can't whistle, um, you know, then you can't work a compass kind of thing. Mm. But 
it's 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 worldview it's understanding it's cosmology but it's also like vehicle and um you know and there are different compasses the compass at the castle is a different compass than the compass here in midgard um you know the compass in um anun is different than the compass here so mm. all of those things all of those different ideas are are there in the compass round yeah when um, way i've always reviewed the compass round is literally um a map mm -hmm. um of the worlds um you know we may lay a compass but that becomes the space of our physical world but then beyond that we've got all the different uh, mythical lands so it acts as a again yeah worldview um and i think that can change from person to person i mean we all say that ask a ask a witch um what witchcraft is and you'll get or ask three witches what witchcraft is and you'll get five different answers yeah yeah absolutely um, absolutely so i think everybody's compass actually changes obviously there's going to be some commonalities um and specifically if a group's working together their compass is going to be something they can work with um alongside each other yeah but and that doesn't mean that even when those witches are working together that they all have the exact same compass they just have an agreed upon compass that they can work together at that time yeah, yeah. yeah. their own personal compass when they're working with yeah. by themselves is different yeah, yeah. Um, just Jana asked, what's traditional witchcraft? Uh, what are its roots? I still don't really understand. That's a small little question. Uh, yeah, it's very small. <laughs> um, I think we're, looking at roots, I think we can probably look at uh, Robert Cochran. Um, beyond that, I mean, I know we call it traditional witchcraft, um, but I think beyond that, obviously there were things taken from before Cochrane, um, he right. had to have have a basis to actually create something from. Um, but in traditional witchcraft, what you'll find a lot of the time is that people are what called tapping the bone, so they are getting information from their ancestors on how they practiced um, in order to try and bring that into our modern day, um, which I think makes it traditional. How would we even define traditional? Well, I think it's called traditional witchcraft, and um, I, that comes from Robert Cochran. Cochran started talking about it publicly because Gerald Gardner was talking about Wicca publicly. And this was before there was a separation between the terms Wicca and witchcraft. Uh, Gardner used them interchangeably. And Cochran was like, yo, your witchcraft is not my witchcraft. You're not doing the thing. Um, and hence Cochran said, mine is the traditional one that's really passed down and so on and so forth. And they had quite an argument about it at the time. And um, I think we're still feeling the energy of that argument quite frequently. Mm. Although I will say that most of my closest friends that in, in the, you know, witchcraft communities that aren't trad witches are British traditional Wiccans of initiatory streams because we have a lot in common. Um, but they're definitely two different streams. So traditional witchcraft is a section of the craft 
Um, you might say it's paganism. You might not. Um, I, I think they're overlapping Venn diagrams. Witches can be pagans and pagans can be witches and people can be one and not the other also. Um, because in traditional witchcraft, um, a witch is someone that that crosses the river, as we say. Mm. Uh, so, um, whereas a paganism usually has to do with belief and religion, uh, witchcraft has to do with doing and action. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely beliefs. There are definitely uh, underlying structures. I mean, the compass round is kind of the the worldview of traditional witchcraft, the underlying structure uh, that is part of traditional witchcraft. We've done quite a few shows on this. I don't know if we have a traditional witchcraft playlist, but I, I know um, they were not popular, but we did do several study chats about Robert Cochran's writings. Uh, where we talk about traditional witchcraft. We've talked about the comparison between Wicca and traditional witchcraft before. Um, so have a look back through the catalog, um, both the lives and the videos, because YouTube splits them out differently. Uh, and you'll find quite a bit of stuff about traditional witchcraft. And if we don't have a good playlist for it, uh, maybe we can create one here in the next week or so and share that on the Discord. So... Because that's that's a huge question. It really is. It's not something we can answer in in a few short minutes. Yeah, I'll create a playlist. I won't put the um, Cochran letters in though. We've kept that separate. That's going to say a separate little playlist. Yeah, um, but we'll keep all the principles and uh, the, the videos that we spoke about. We did the. Did we do? Oh, we did treading the mill. That was that. Yeah, we talked uh, about treading the mill, which is related to laying a compass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll sort that out. Uh, oh, I didn't say hello to Pamela and Schrodinger's cats and Sappho is here. Hello and Solemn Sun. And Solemn Sun? Mm hmm. Oh, right at the top there. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Missed that one. We were nattering away, sorry. Yeah. So so we should ask our 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 chat, our our fellow travelers here, are you familiar with the compass round? Uh do you generally know what it is? Have you ever laid a compass? That sort of thing. Uh so we kinda know where to talk about it. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise we'll just carry on like Yeah. So, um, the laying of the compass is only one operation, and that's what usually gets conflated with casting a magic circle. Um, and like I said, it's not always done. Um, and if it is done, I, I have tried to do it inside, and it has been a disaster. I, I'm pretty sure it has to be done outside to lay a compass. Because, one, you can't cut the earth with a blade if there's a floor in the way. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be pretty necessary. Um, but, I mean, you can't you can symbolically do it. I mean, when, you, when we're doing, um, when we're plowing the bloody acre, I mean, that's the whole act of 
literally walking in, or even treading milk, actually walking into the earth. Right. Physically walk into the earth. It, it becomes symbolic. So, well, I mean, I, I do. You do it inside? I can't. I can't do anything outside. I don't have a garden. I don't have space to do anything like that. So I'm forced to do all of my stuff inside. Well, I can I can tread the mill inside. That's fine. But I can't lay a compass mm. inside. I um I actually had a group that I was teaching for a while and we were meeting at an occult shop, you know. And uh this particular shop had a nice big area that we could clear out in the center and so we decided that we would try doing some traditional witchcraft stuff. And for, I don't know, six months or so, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, um, we tried laying the compass for the holidays. And mm. it was a disaster. I mean, it didn't just not work. It actively made a mess of things. Mm. And I don't know if that's because we couldn't plow into the earth. Um, we put the stang in a big flower pot of dirt in the center and then we would move it to whichever compass point was appropriate um so we did have the staying in the dirt but when we spread the flower on the floor i kind of worried because one of the things about laying a compass is that that flower that grain is uh fertility you know it's about growth and returning to the earth and everything else well we couldn't just leave it on the floor we had to sweep it up and yeah. the first two times i was not paying attention i was doing other things people swept it up and put it in the trash and you know you wouldn't do that outside you put your grain down and then after you're done you'd at least break the circle if not walk it into the dirt which, you know, if you're treading the mill, you walk it into the dirt anyways. But if, mm -hmm. if you're, you know, working at an eastern castle or something like that, you might not do that. But you'd probably sweep it out, but you don't sweep it up. You leave it. That's one of the things about a, a compass is um, there's nothing to tear down <laughs> like there is with a mm -hmm. magic circle. So, I don't know. It, it didn't work inside. And then one, one time we tried it with salt instead of grain and that was that was horrific it felt like um trying to do magic in the middle of like a sterile room where nothing nothing would go anywhere you couldn't get a spark you couldn't get anything up you couldn't move anything and after i had like four or five days afterwards where it was still like that I couldn't move any energy. I couldn't get anything up out of the ground. I couldn't make anything go. It was just like everything had been zeroed out. So definitely don't lay a compass with salt. <laughs> Gotta learn the hard way. I, I think I think one of the interesting aspects here is again coming back to every which is different. Um you know, I may be wrong, but I, obviously I, I do all this stuff by myself. I learn by myself. I don't have a group that I can work with or I can learn from or anything like that. Um, so over the years, it has been literally um, read it, test it, see if it works or not, 
and I cannot recall any mention of um, um, the use of flour. Really? That, that's yeah. a pretty necessary component in my understanding of laying a compass. Well, this is where things get very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I have laid, laid, um, worked a compass. I would call it working a compass, not laying a compass inside mm. with tools, with tarot cards, um, you know, with bones, all of those, those exercises that you go through when you're learning your compass and you need to hang everything properly on the tree so that you can learn to root into it and then fold time and manipulate things and travel in your magic space vehicle. Uh, and that I do inside, no problem. Because it doesn't involve a stang, it doesn't involve a cord, unless they're being placed as markers. Um, there's no need for a blade or cutting. Um, it's just working into your cosmology and, and feeling the roots in it. That's that's more along the lines of what I would, I would be doing. Yeah. But uh, the other aspect that you're speaking about, never... Never come across it, never experienced it, because I don't work with a group. Hmm. Well, I've laid a compass well, outside by myself. Well. Um, like mm. when I, um, you know, did the, the offering to, the black man. You pre you have to do that by yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, in these day and age, I would probably have a guard. I haven't had an outside ritual without a guard in years. I just don't feel safe anymore. And there's people mm. everywhere. You can't go out into the woods and get the fell away from people and <laughs> be left alone for a couple hours. Some moron comes stumbling by geocaching or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laying naked on the ground holding a bunch of stones and a circle of flour? <laughs> Busy. Bugger <laughs> off. Bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let me go over to the chat because it's stopped to pile up. Thank goodness. Um, Luna said, I have absolutely no idea what you're, talk what you're on about, uh, but I'm listening intently. That's cool. Learn something new. We like learning things now. Uh, Solomon said, I've heard of it, but uh, haven't done it. I don't understand the use or the necessity. Um, okay, well, that's what the show's about, really. Um, Yelati said at Lee at me, uh, maybe do it when you when you go to your spot. Um, I actually can't. Uh, my spot is too rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like hill here, hill there, rocks here. There's actually not enough space to actually walk in a circle. Um, well, you know, I have done them where you just turn in a circle. I mean, I live in the mm. flatlands in, in Kansas where. You know, you mm. can see for miles and miles and miles, everything's flat horizon. Um, but when I've been in the mountains, um, I've worked a compass that literally it's just like this big, like slightly larger than shoulder width. And you just mm. turn in a little circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I actually recommend a lot of people do if they don't have the space mm -hmm. to do any kind of circle casting, really. If you can't work it, walk in a whole circle because you've just got one little room. Just turn in a turn in a circle. You know, mm -hmm. walk, you know. So I can take that advice, I suppose. Yeah, my spot is actually a old abandoned. Um, um, it, it was going to be an estate, a homing estate, 
and they abandoned it. So it's got like nature's taken over. Greens, green, the flowers and the trees and everything's grown over all the rubble and oh, that's wonderful. So it's just like hilly and and everything. And I've got this great little spot there. You know. Um, let's have a look, Jono. Hi, friends. I'm home. Great stuff, Jono. Glad you're home. Michael Jackson was creepy, but Earth Song has been stuck in my head all day, and it's a banger. Everything uh, I know about the Compass Round. I guess I'm going to have to go look up the lyrics to that because I don't know what their relationship is. Neither <laughs> <laughs> do I. <laughs> That's um, uh, Luna said, Hey, baby. Hi, Johnny. Oh, it wasn't me. Sorry, it's Jono. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. Deb is here. Hello, Deb. How are you Hello. doing? Uh, oops, it skipped. Hang on. Randy said, oh, Jono, you are lucky. I have polka dot afro from Madagascar movies stuck in my head all day. <laughs> oh, earworms. Aren't they fun? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a couple. Here we go. Uh, Pamela, is the campus for keeping things inside to work with them? No. Uh, such as the circle keeps things out for protection. What sort of working uh, can you use a campus for? Yeah, you're definitely not keeping things inside or keeping things out really because you. It's placing you in a a between world, a between state, between the worlds, so that you can walk from one to the other yeah it can be used for that um the compass is everything the compass round encompasses all um it is a yeah. cosmology it is an understanding of everything every realm you can dream of every spirit you've ever met every working you've ever done is within the compass round um and it is not a barrier um, like a magic circle is that a magic circle is designed to keep things in and be a, a hedge of protection and keep things out. And the compass mm. is not like that. Even, even when we plow the moat and cross the river and, and have those boundaries, it's still, that is just a little piece inside of the greater compass. Mm. Yeah, maybe an easy way to explain it would be if you if you stand at a spot and face east. What's in the east? You've got the rising sun. You've got um, some people would relate Venus. Um, some people would relate the the morning star, um, Lucifer, the light bringer, the bringer of Moses onto the path and illuminator of the path. Um, so then you're starting to incorporate what kind of spirits we're looking at in that direction, um, what kind of land you'd be incorporating, and then moving around to the next point, the next point, the next point, and what you find there. Um, for me, that's really how the, the lands, the mythical lands, are actually mapped out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can use the compass round to move between this world into those various different mythical lands to interact with the spirits there. That explains it easier or not. 
That's, I mean, it's, it's a big, it's a big, big, I, big thing. I agree. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's one way to look at the compass, definitely. Um, and, and it mm. does encompass everything. I mean, you are always conscious of the east, the north, the west, the south, and the, the points in between, um, you know, which is usually divided into eight uh, and three which is the the four cardinal points the four directions and the spots in between those so you'd have northeast and southeast and and so on and so forth and then three is above here and below the standard three worlds realms phases um, that we find in most uh, shamanistic or indigenous cultures but sometimes that's not three, sometimes that's five, sometimes that's seven, sometimes that's nine. Uh, it just kind of depends on what you're doing. And they're all there all the time and are the same thing, even though they're different because traditional witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's when things get tricky. I mean, we yeah. talk about placing things in particular directions but they're all in one big lump and we're well, all together placing, we're all having a big orgy yeah placing things <laughs> in particular directions uh, you know um when we talk about the directions i guess the other point that is probably similar between uh modern neo wicca casting a magical circle and the compass round is uh we're both very familiar with the watchers the gregory the towers the kings the keepers of the quarters whatever you call those, they're all the same thing. Um, cause the, the four dwarves that hold up the corners of the world, um, the archangels, um, all of that, uh, those are all there in both cases in a magical circle. They're often called to protect and preserve and witness the magic that shall be raised herein. Right. That's the language there, but in a, uh, in traditional craft, you go visit them in their castle and you make friends mm. with them and you figure out their language and uh, their dominion and all of that sort of stuff so that when stuff comes up and you need somebody to help, you know where to go. Mm. Or, you know, when, when you have work to do, you know who to go talk to and say, hey, I need help with this or I need to work this particular right. So you might go to the castle in the east to do it because it's about growth and prosperity and an increase in the beginning of things. Or you might go to the west because it's about death and endings and, and the lessening of things or you need to speak to the ancestors or maybe you need to go to the northwest or yeah northwest and uh find the you know divination and the understandings and all of that sort of thing yeah mm -hmm. i'm just gonna say something else but i think it just make it more confusing <laughs> actually i'm just thinking this when it comes to i mean it's not specifically about the compass round um, but when it comes to sort of mapping out the mythical lands, uh, one book that I've read recently, which is really good for this, um, is Ambrosia's um, Book of Witchcraft. Um, because she actually speaks about the, the four cardinal directions, the towers in those directions, and also the lands beyond. 
you know, you pass through the tower and you go into the land beyond. And she talks about um, entire landscapes, entire communities and civilizations that are in these four cardinal, four cardinal directions in these mythical lands. Um, and I think it gives a really good representation of what we're trying to explain here is that these, there are lands beyond this land. Um, and within those lands, you can work your own compass. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it gets very in-depth, very complicated, broad, big. Yeah, well, uh, as far as a working compass, you carry that with you wherever you go because it helps you navigate, yeah. it helps you understand. But it will change and it will reflect the land that you are in. So, mm. you know, having that that understanding that there is a compass and an internal compass within the witch that we carry with us that's our understanding of the world and there are times when we need to open that up and reflect it uh, mm. through the land because without reflecting it and interacting with the land and time uh, because space-time is one thing we're not going to be able to do anything if it's all internal it, there's no breath there's no um out and return there's you know and, and therefore there's no magic there is no change in the outside that is reflected so the compass has to to unfold out of the self and when it unfolds it has to be made of, of the materials of the landscape you're in mm. it can't be mm. anything else all right solemnson has a lot of very interesting questions which are going to keep us going for quite a while so yeah. i'm going to propose we go and top up our hot chocolate and then whatever we're and dive in <laughs> dive in dive in so solemnson stick around everybody stick around uh, we'll be back in roughly five minutes. After our be... apparently not very elucidating introduction to the compass round. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but you already know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you just now.
Welcome back to Into the Wildwood, and we're talking about the Compass Round today. So let's delve into Solomson's questions. Firstly, uh, can you talk about working the Compass and folding time into it? Don't understand how it can be used as a vehicle. If you're working it, how do you walk it in the ground? I think it's two, two separate questions there. I'm missing pockets of understanding. We're all missing missing pockets of understanding. Don't worry about that. Um, okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to discuss or talk about the time thing because that's beyond what I've done. Okay, so when you work a compass, when when you build a compass, every witch needs to build a compass and an understanding of it. This is how you understand the cosmology of what you're doing and and how this all works. One of the things that is very very commonly done is to associate the tides of time which we also call the wheel of the year or the solar cycles and lunar cycles and you can you can work a bunch of other cycles in there too but the solar cycles is usually where you start with the cardinal directions or the compass so the east is associated with the vernal equinox this is the the beginning point the south in, up up here or let's say equator ward is, <laughs> is associated with the summer solstice the height of the sun then the west is associated with the autumn equinox where the sun dies and, and goes under the ground right that's where the sun sets and the north is associated with or the the polar uh, word uh, direction is associated with the uh, winter solstice where the sun is the smallest and the furthest away so as you can see, my understanding of northern and southern hemispheres is the sun still rises in the east for everyone, no matter which hemisphere you're in, and sets in the west. But the sun is at maximum strength towards the equator and at minimum strength towards the poles. So that direction changes whether you're in the southern or the northern hemisphere, whichever side of the, the equator you're on. And then, of course, the cross quarters set up in between there. And that also automatically associates the uh, royal stars and all of the the sky cosmology astrology very easily maps right onto the compass it's basically the compass anyways um, that's what a chart is right there very easy to map and as you walk the outside of the compass the big circle you're going to walk those directions matching them to the holidays to the uh, eight sabbats or the eight uh, sun points and you will tie those sun points into your cord at each time just like when you go to celebrate those holidays you will put the staying in that direction and and garland it with the appropriate um, herbs and, and plants and things for that time of year and, and allow the witch father to appear on the staying in the glory of that particular solar understanding so that means that the outer circle of the compass is a wheel of time. It is linear time expressed as a cycle. And you are always in the center of the compass. No matter where you go, no matter where you walk, east is still east. I'm facing east at the moment. South is still south. West is still west. I can walk 600 miles east and east is still east and south is still south and north is still north and west is still west so you're always in the center of your compass but when you lay a compass you kind of root bits of it down into the earth for a little bit so that you can go over there and pull on a bit or mm -hmm. um you can also take your cord 
that has all of these points tied into it. And when you need, say it's, you know, the middle of summer and, and the height uh, of, of the sun's power around midsummer, and you don't really want to do healing, you need to do some divination. Well, healing is that summer solstice energy, but divination's way over there in, in the northeast at, at Halomos, or the northwest at Halomos, right? So you need to go get that energy. You can untie that knot in your cord and release that wind that you trapped in there at that time of year. You can root that compass down into the ground and then move to that quarter and work across the river in that castle at that time. You can take that compass and, and anchor it into bones or um, tarot cards or something else, right? And then you can fold it and make, uh, you know, the north meet the south and kind of push time together and make it slip against things so that you can change the past and the future at the same time. You can do it with people um, uh, and have each person um, embody the winds from those lands in the four or the eight directions or however you want to divide, divide it, however many people you got. And, and they would invoke it and then open portals through themselves that allow that to come into the space. And then as they spin, you'll shift and, and fold those energies and change who's taking what. And it'll chunk you down into different um, layers of reality and move through that. You can move time that way. So there's a lot of different ways to, to use and and move the time that is the rim of the the spinning wheel that the compass round can be anchored to you can also stand in the center and just face the different directions and, and pull that energy into the center for that time um, which is kind of sort of what uh, happens in some neo-wiccan circles not really but it can be thought that way but you can also anchor your compass and leave it and go cross the river into a different castle even if it doesn't necessarily match the time the doors may be more difficult to find if you're not in that matching time stream like if you want to go to the the height of the sun and it's the winter solstice it's going to be the hardest time to get there but you can if you have a good compass and you know how to navigate you know the, the compass helps you with those tasks and helps you move through those kinds of understandings and, and know where to go and what to look for when you travel. You're not just flying blind out there. You have signposts, you have markers, you have, um, you can see an unfamiliar landscape and because of your compass, you know which way is which and where to turn and which road to take. That makes mm. sense? It does. Well, it does to me anyway. Um, the other question there was, if you're working it, how do you walk it in the ground? I'm assuming there we're talking about um, uh, treading the acre or treading yeah. the mill. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. treading the mill um, can be used to turn the wheel. Um, uh, uh, plowing the bloody acre can also be used to turn the wheel, but they can also be used to travel up or down the tree. And this is just where you walk on the wheel of time. You lay the wheel of time down with the flower, 
and then that's where you walk that's the path that you follow and as you physically walk over the flower and over the moat you're going to mess it up you're not going to keep that nice pretty bright white line glowing in the moonlight it's going to be dissipated and and you work usually down deeper um, we tend to work with the flow of the stars uh, when because in the northern hemisphere where this lore comes from um, the nail star is the northern star polaris around which the wheel of the heavens rotates and you will notice that the wheel of the heavens rotates west to east when you are looking north in the northern hemisphere this is the anchoring of the pole star it's why the stain goes in the north it's why the the gate the opening is in the northeast and all of that and so when we want to travel on the tree we work with the stars that's how we work with fate and actually a lot of people call that witter shins against the sun but it is the the flow of fate the celestial way the star road the northern star road and so it's what makes things come to be in the future and for that to work we tend to go down the tree because that's where the mill of magic is where things flow from plants come up out of the ground they start as a seed in the ground and they come up so if we want to plant things we need to go down um, and then if you work the other way the the path of the sun which flows the other way uh, jessel um, that works counter to the the star road then you're working things for um, immediate effect or even sometimes in the past but usually immediate effect like healings um, you know um, restoring the body uh, driving away cancer driving away disease that sort of stuff so walking it into the ground is about treading the mill plowing the bloody acre um, turning the wheel uh, and turning the wheel is done specifically at those cardinal points where the staying begins in the direction that matches whatever uh, point you're on you know so if it's the vernal equinox it's in the east and, and you turn the wheel and through that turning uh, that figure eight pattern on the ground you you walk that mill into the other castle and back and into the other castle and back and it weaves the worlds together and eventually the stang becomes the center at the point at which you know the witch father appears and the invocation is successful and you've successfully turned the mill of magic and created creation and sustained life yeah, I mean, the other aspect of that, especially with planning for the acre, is um, you are moving yourself literally in, in between worlds again. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I think we spoke about this previously. When we're planning the bloody acre, we are connecting with the ancestors um, because we're moving deeper into the land itself. Mm -hmm. um, uh, very, very rarely do I know of, of rituals that, that go up. Because there's mm. just, there's not a lot of need to go up, um, mm. you know, um, the up, the out there um, is just, it's not a place we go, it's not a place we need to go, it's not a place we have a lot of capability to do anything. We don't have many powers there, we, it's a, it's more than a foreign land. Um, mm. However, I have found that the further up you go, the more everything's just in math that's the language up there 
Mm -hmm. um, whereas the further down you go, things are very organic, very dirt, very <laughs> smell, tactile, physical. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's, so, yeah. Um, the, the Polaris star um, that we, you anchor to in the north, um, for anybody working in the southern hemisphere, I think the closest for that would be the um, Australis Polaris. Yeah, there's Australis Polaris. I, 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 I've been thinking about that and looking at a lot of skies in the, the southern hemisphere. And the reason we anchor to the, the North Star is because it's the thing about which everything turns, right? Mm -hmm. It's in the center and everything rotates around it. But in the south, if you watch the sky, everything rotates around a little blank space. It's an opening and there's a ring of stars around that opening. But the actual uh, center point that everything spins around is, is blank for us. There are stars there, but we can't see them with our eyes. They're not bright mm -hmm. enough. So I've thought about perhaps in the north, it's a staying. It's a it's a pole. I mean, we sight the staying in such a way that when you you lay with your head in the south and look north, the staying cups and holds that star. You know, you do mm -hmm. that that fun magic trick with um perspectives but in the south maybe it's the cauldron because mm. it's that blank void that's surrounded by a circle of stars maybe it's not a staying down there maybe it's not that um that nail maybe it's a void mm. but i don't know yeah. i'm not down there yeah because um i mean i'll, I'll... For a period of time, I was looking at to try and find out which star we would anchor to down here. And, you know, I'd follow the movements on my app mm -hmm. um, to try and figure out. And that, that Australis Polaris seems to be the one that kind of stays still, but it wasn't perfectly still. Right. It still kind of moves. Very, very small, yeah. very small movement. A little but... circle. I don't know. Mm. That's something for, for traditional witches down there you'll have to work and figure it out i mean I, that yeah. has to be how we got the north star road mm. for people to work it and figure it out so is it the the southern star road or is it the southern cauldron road i don't know and then there's the whole thing about you know um the sun is pulling us along in space we're not just sitting here rotating around the sun the sun is moving in space and we're spiraling and being pulled behind it the sun is moving mm. towards polaris the whole planet mm. is going that way so mm. there's something to think about there too are you on the back end of the spaceship interesting so uh -uh. yeah because if we're, if we're moving towards polaris does that mean we're moving away from australia's polaris mm -hmm. we are so that's becoming more and more of a void space anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of things to think about. And I've I've tried to ask the ancestors and they're like, we don't live down there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just really, they just straight up, those are things we don't know, you know? Mm. So maybe I'll have to see if I can connect with the Zulu ancestors. I don't know. Yeah. I would imagine being on the land that. would make a huge difference. 
because there should yeah. be ancestors there that that have that wisdom i mean my personal ancestral connections are all i'm, I'm from the north so right um, yeah i'd have to actually connect with the, 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 the zulu ancestors i think right my new mission <laughs> well you did say the zulu ancestors were accepted you so i think you got yeah. at least a foot in the door there <laughs> I do. It's just, it's one of those boundaries. I've just, I don't know, maybe it's just pure respect. I just haven't been able to cross it. True. Yeah. Go with a big uh, meal and an offering and say, I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's carry on with uh, Solomon's questions then. Um, is the compass like mala beads or prayer beads? Or is it something you're lining a space with? Um... I mean, you can represent a compass in something like mala beads or prayer beads. I have worked a compass on, on this rosary, um, but that's just one way to represent it. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily a common way either. I think the cord is a common way. Yeah, I was going to relate that to the cord rather than the compass round or the compass itself. Because mm -hmm. the, the cord, um, which I think it's always called it, but also sometimes called the witch's ladder. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of that idea of you climb up the witch's ladder to get to the other world. Yeah, or down. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, direction is really up and down, and it's, it's both ways. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you hang it by the loop on the end, and then usually you start at the inside near the loop and then work down and out mm. so you don't you don't climb up necessarily because again there's not a lot to do up there for a traditional which is yeah i think the, the the movement up on the witch's ladder is more in relation to um witch flight um you know mm. the, up and out of the body the, yeah, up and out of the body, getting onto the, the person, uh, flying through the night sky to the, the, um, the witch's sabbat and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, yeah, but up, down. Yeah, in, in out. out. <laughs> <laughs> up, down, in, out. They're the same thing. -ish. All the same thing. <laughs> Down is definitely in and up is definitely out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least at least in my compass. <laughs> because everything is encompassed. Yeah. Everything is encompassed yep. within the compass. My magister said that all the time and then would just chuckle that deep belly laugh where he would just shake. He thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Now that I'm older, I think it's hilarious too. I, I thought it was annoying when I was younger, but <laughs> you're not saying anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Realize later. You're saying a lot. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. What is like? What is it like to travel with the compass? Um, how do you know when you've gotten where you're going? Well, I think you, you've gotten, you know, you've gotten where, you, where you're going when you meet somebody and say hello to them. 
Well, the landscape changes. I mean, yeah, yeah. the compass is to tell you how you know when you've got where you're going. Mm. That's part of what the compass does. It It is that information. Um, mm. And what is it like to travel with a compass? Well, all, all the different ways, because there's so many ways to travel. Um, it's yeah. like... Um, what is it like to travel in a car, on a bicycle, on foot, by boat, um, in, a, in a big cruise liner versus a little rowboat on the ocean versus a stream in the air in an airplane versus a little prop plane versus a jetliner? They're all travel. And they're all different, but they're all travel. And they have different feelings and sensations and speeds and drawbacks and all of that sort of stuff the compass is, is the same thing you can turn it into a like a, a kind of metaphysical spaceship if you want fold it up and bubble it up around you um and and kind of roll around in a giant hamster ball kind of thing is how i describe it uh but that's just one way and definitely not the only way and definitely not the traditional way um usually you cross the river and go into the castle and then walk within that landscape most often uh, vehicles aren't super common in the other worlds but um i get widely widely varies i think one thing i've noticed um being the the mostly book reader and test person um the the big thing i've noticed over the years is that um it used to be very much the treading the mill, um, uh, crossing the the river with the sword, sword in the bezem. I think. Bezem. I like and a bezem, but I've used a sword. You know, going, going to the rose castle, and depending on what tradition you're following, obviously. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, differs. But it's a very, very much um, an active type of process. Um, treading the mill is literally walking in a circle, stomping, and you know, moving into trance. Um, crossing the bridge uh, across the river and into the Rose Castle is a very physical movement mm -hmm. um, and often incorporates the, um, um, the labyrinth and things like that. It's all very physical, all very symbolic. What I've noticed more recently uh, with more modern authors in traditional witchcraft is it's becoming more of a, a visualization process. Um, sit down and visualize yourself moving across to this particular lap. Um, you know, kind of like open the way, but then you visualize yourself moving there. More of a, more of a, um, um, a astral journey type book. Mm -hmm. and, and losing the, the physical side of that. It kind of is, yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff in there that's still physical, um, laying the compass and things like that, but the actual traveling itself has become more of a visualization process. Hmm. That's what I've, what I've noticed anyway. I wonder if that's in response to it's harder and harder to get out and, you know, find a I've, space. I've, it's, that's possibly part of it, but um, what it reminds me a lot of is uh, core shamanism. Harness hmm. yeah. um, work, the keyboard through. Yeah. Uh, it's, very, it's a very similar kind of process. Um, you know, moving into the astral temple and things like that, or 
have that visualization process. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's both. I think it's partners, poor shamanism, um, and also yes, we can't. You know, we're living in cities now. Yeah, we're overpopulated. It's very difficult to find a space you can actually do these things in nature. Yeah, I mean, I live in a, I, I live in a city, but I'm only hours away from from very rural areas where there's not a lot of population. But I know, you know, on the coast, that's not really an option anymore. It's mm. five, six, seven hours away, and that's a lot for just you know a night flight. So, but. Mm. I will say that the physical brings the imaginal, the, you know, and that's part of the reason those techniques are passed on because they, re they work. They repeatedly work. There's something you can pass on. I can have all the personal gnosis I want, but it doesn't really mean anything if I can't pass it on to somebody else and it works for them. Who cares? Right. They're going to have to just discover it all on themselves. But if I can pass on, this is how you tread the mill. You do this kind of step and you, you go this long and you, you crouch like this and you rock like this and you move your head like this. And it, it repeatedly induces the same trance in person after person after person. And we all go to the same spot. Then that's tradition. That's what can be passed on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, coming back to the, the traditional part of traditional witchcraft, it really does relate to how many times has it been done and worked? Yeah. Um, how, how many hands has it been passed to? Right. Yeah. I think it, it takes three hands to make a tradition or something. Yeah, I've heard that, but I think it's pretty short. Um, yeah. My, my dame always said nine and 27 is better. But mm. also, you know, when you're initiated and you go to meet the mighty dead, you get to see how many people have done these traditions. Yeah, you can, mm. you can count the robes, as they say, and, mm. and follow the, the cord up the line and see how many hands hold it. Mm. All right, so carrying on with Solomon's questions. Um, is the compass round related to head riding? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, the compass round is related to everything you can possibly think of. You've heard of maybe related to traditional witchcraft and some other things too. <laughs> because the compass round put into a little bowl. is everything. <laughs> it is cosmology. It 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 encompasses everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I think in that traveling aspect of moving between the worlds, yeah, I mean, it would be head riding or moving from one world back to this world yeah going uh, popping over to there for the evening you know, going to have a beer with them over there um you know, that sort of thing <laughs> um but you don't something about hedge riding yeah. you don't have to lay a compass to work a compass you don't have to no. lay a compass to cross the moat you don't have to lay a compass to go hedge riding mm. Um, Safo said uh, you use three compass rounds to create a, a luminous space for treading the mill, head crossing. No. Uh, Lady, Lady Perra did said luminal and liminal are at times confusing. 
you you don't have to have multiple compasses i don't think you can have multiple compasses one witch one compass because it's us yeah i think i think there are some traditions that may be wrong going back to cochrane and he did slay three circles yeah three moats almost, yeah but that's not the but that's not that's three not different compasses, compasses. just like when you that, you work the turnings you work physically in in two circles in a figure eight between them that's the one compass yeah i think that's where that got confused so it's um those three uh there was, it? It was a, a circle of ash um a moat of water or something mm -hmm. so there was the three and a circle of grain three moats those are the, the yeah, the three materials that you use. And sometimes we put them all together. Sometimes you only use one. You almost always use water of some sort because you need ghost roads. Um, but sometimes you separate them all out for a nice big working. That's like going to the Grand Sabbath and, you know, all the big high holy days and, and you lay them separately. Ash and water mm. and grain. Yeah. Or bone if you're doing the smithy thing. But bone ash, eh. you know. Yeah. What's what is the difference between luminal and liminal? I know what liminal is. That's between luminal would be related to light. Yeah. Illuminating. Yeah. Luminal. Yeah. Right. Uh, Luna um, said, "Is this akin to using a cabalistic? Probably spelled wrong." Um, if you're coming from a hermetic standpoint. Well, I mean... That's a cosmology. It's a worldview. Yeah, there are kind of some similarities. There, there are ways that the compass works that the Tree of Life doesn't. Um, mm. And, you know, I definitely um, use both in, in my cosmology. Um, the uh, tree is a sorting system. It's like the Dewey Decimal System for occultism. And you can work it with path workings uh, just like you would, um, you know, some of the ideas about crossing to the castles. But that's probably the extent of the similarities, the sorting system and the, the path working similarities from passing from one realm to the other. Uh, the compass round is really a 3D, 4D um, kind of view, back to worldview, because that's what it is. Whereas the Tree of Life doesn't act like that. Um, it is a symbolic representation. And the compass round is that, but more. Well, I suppose that's if we take the Tree of Life as it's represented, as, as glyphical representation. Um, I mean, if we take the Tree of Life, uh, with practical application, um, I mean, it is sphere within sphere within sphere within sphere, um, emanating outwards or inwards. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, and the difference is that emanation, that hierarchical process of emanation. That's mm -hmm. not present within the compass round. 
there's no beginning and end. You you mm. can yeah, we come in from the northeast as kind of the beginning point, but it's very, very arbitrary. Um and, and that only relates to the that edge with the besom and time. Once you're in or you're out, that's all gone. That's not that's a very relative thing. But there's no hierarchy, there's no emanations, there's no um, directional flow uh, within mm. the compass round like there is within the Tree of Life. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the Tree of Life, you are working, working, walking from one emanation to another one through the past and things like that. So there is that progression, linear progression, actually. Mm -hmm. and, and because yeah. of that, there can't be anything like a cliffotic compass. Because you can't have husks, because there's never mm. uh, was and now isn't. Mm. Yeah, okay. uh, Pamela said thank you. All starting to make sense. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, Roundabout, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while, yeah. several years. Took Still getting there, too. actually. It takes a while. <laughs> I mean, I think all of these big concepts like this, you gotta, you gotta jump in the pool and swim around for a while, because mm. there's just so much, so much packed in, you know. Um, Lady Kapoor asked Red Kai, one question for you: What book or app would you recommend for daily planetary rulers and the hours associated with them? Astroseek.com. They have a. Yeah planetary hours of the day underneath their uh, traditional astrology. You set it for anywhere in the world and look up any day and it'll do all the calculations for you. Very but handy. It's just planetary hours. I, I use astro clock on my phone. Yeah, pretty simple app, anyway. Uh, Solomon, can you describe the experience of travel? What makes travel difficult? Which mode of travel, first of all? What makes travel difficult? Having a meat suit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to move your consciousness out of your meat suit. Meat suit. Um, or yeah. having to move the meat suit through the physical world at the same time as being in the other world, and there are cars and roads and shit in the way. Mm-hmm. There, there are times when I am a, a walking about and I would like to go talk to that spirit over there and there's a highway in the way and I'm like, what stupid humans put a highway across here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> go walk all the way on the fucking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can describe the experience of travel. It's like saying, can you describe the experience of orgasm? It's a sensation. Mm. And when when you experience it, you can differentiate it from not experiencing it. Yeah, true. Other than that, it feels like traveling, and that's a terrible explanation. <laughs> On the other hand, I mean, if we do come to the aspect of um, traveling through visualization, um, you know, the type of dark and light time uh, work that we used to do, 
Moving into the astral temple or something like that. Yeah. Again, everybody has a different experience. A different sensation for everybody. Yeah. It's it's really one of those things you just have to experience. Um, the problem is, then you ask ask the question: Did I get it right? Did I actually do it? Did I just imagine all of it? And that is then a case of do it again, do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to see things um, present themselves that you didn't expect or cannot be part of your own imagination. You didn't make it up. Uh, well, and if you're really traveling and you're really interacting in the other lands, that will come through in your day-to-day -day mundane life. Mm. You, all things are interwoven and reality does not stay separate from itself. If you're just imagining it and making it up, then there's no evidence anywhere else. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my answer is somebody introduces you to it. Um, that's part of the initiation. They take you traveling and you learn what mm -hmm. it feels like and you get introduced and, and you go to the different lands. And also, if you have a dame or a magister or a guide or somebody being like, no, you're not out, you know, <laughs> poking you because we're trained to to observe those things and help other people learn to observe those things. Mm -hmm. But that's not always easy or possible for everybody. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of the the reason we do this show is because we have those different backgrounds and different experiences to draw from, you know, and compare, compare and contrast. Yeah. Although, I mean, at the same time, I mean, you and I don't, don't live remotely close to each other, and we've had astral experiences together. Oh yeah, frequently. Um, and you're you're more skilled in that aspect than I am, and you've confirmed things that happened, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, even that, even that regard. I don't think the only way. Yeah, I don't mm. think the only way to to learn it is with another person. I think this is a thing that humans do. Humans eat. Humans sing. Humans dance. Humans make art. Humans do magic. Mm. You know, and and some people do have a knack for astral travel or astral projection, that sort of thing, and some people don't. But I do think it's one of those things that humans do. Everybody can sing, everybody can dance, everybody can make art. Some people do it really well and obviously have a knack for it. And some people, you know, we're still drawing stick figures and singing off key, but you're still doing it. You're still participating mm -hmm. in it. And it, it really doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum because these are um, the activities that humans do that make us human. Mm -hmm. Mm. All right then. Um, Jono said, "No, I'm just watching for comfort food now because I am so lost." Cheese fields, milling, bloody acre, bending time, castles, weaving the worlds. Um, can I ask what you guys use to accomplish that? Paul, everything. Everything. <laughs> I have a compass because I am a witch, and because I have a compass, I am a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, 
uh, Deb said uh, you met the Zulu tribe, Lee. I had a, uh, a very good friend who was Zulu. We used to sit and talk about, compare notes. Um, mostly, actually, uh, between the Zulu and the Celts were very interesting. But the, the uh, similarities in practice and beliefs and, and stuff is very, 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 very close, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, John has said, Derb Zulus are everywhere in South Africa. They are a huge. I actually read, I forgot the number now. It was like in the, the millions, billions uh, population of South Africa is made up of Zulu people. So, yeah, they're a proud people. There's a bunch of tribes. The Pedi are beautiful. Uh, the Sutu are the salt of the earth. The Shangan are super clever. Lots more. Yeah, there are a lot of tribes in South Africa. Uh, Lady Clara said, the besom, mine is the Nimbus 2000. Solomson, <laughs> uh, uh, I think the visualization prevalence in modern practice is part of what confuses me about the physical parts of this. I thought this was more visualization at first. Um, I think this is, you know, this is this is where things get confusing because we can just sit down, we can do a visualization and work with the astral temple and things like that. But I feel personally that what you're doing is you're mapping out the land. So you're physically actually moving around the space in order to lay your compass. Because if you just take a if you take a little physical compass and you hold it up in the air like this, it's not gonna have any effect, not gonna do anything because you can't see it. But if you lay it down on the ground, yeah. you can see it and see where all the directions are. Um, and I think that physical aspect is where you are. You're pinning things down in your landscape, your, your, your immediate landscape, and you are then mapping out lands and bringing your compass into physical reality so that you can then take it into all realities. Well, think about, um, yeah, think about all of the indigenous you know, peoples who will say, when you say, where is the world tree? They know, they can point to it. You can walk to it. This is the world tree. This is mm. the mountain the gods live upon. This is the Umphalos. This is the center of the world. This is the spine of Gaia. This is the cave. That is what we're doing with a compass round. We're bringing mm. the mythology. We're living the mythology. <clears throat> in the landscape the way it was uh, meant to live the way it came to be and this is more difficult if you are not from where you live or you're not born on the land that you dwell on or if your ancestors aren't from there but it's not impossible mm. definitely not and 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 like you said it's it's bringing it down it's drawing it out just like if you were standing on a beach and you were trying to tell someone how to get somewhere, you'd grab a stick and you'd draw in the sand, right? You'd draw a map. That's what we're doing when we lay a compass. We're drawing a map. We're, mm. we're sketching things out so that we can all be together on the same page so that we can keep track of what we're doing. You probably don't need to draw a map that's in your head as much if you're the only one. But... Mm you might need to map out your origin point and your trajectory right that's why it's one seven three four um 
Witchcraft is very much about traveling. We don't stand in one spot and bring things to us because mm -hmm. you never get the whole picture, especially the land. The land doesn't come to you. You travel up on it. You have to go different places. You have to go into other landscapes. You have to go into other worlds in order to do the things that we do, in order to learn the things that we learn, in order to make the friendships and the alliances. And so sometimes you really need to just root that in. You need to combine these things. You need to take all of this heady mythology story stuff and you need to get it firmly within the landscape that you can physically see. And then you need to physically weave them together until they are one thing. It's kind of similar to having an idea about something in your head and then actually writing it down or trying to explain it to somebody. Because when you try to explain it to somebody, you realize there's bits missing. Oh, so yeah. you kind of physically write it down, you get it out of your head type of thing, and then you can fill in all the blanks. So when you're actually physically laying the compass on the ground in your space, you start to you know, fit in all the bits that are missing. Um, and it takes years and years and years to build because it is, as we said, it's your worldview as well. Yeah, I say. And, um, and that's all changes. You know, I spent a lot of time working stuff out Oh, now sketches. We did these 20 years ago. Drawing out <laughs> sketches. Uh, you know, um, and, and it takes time. There's a lot to work. There's a lot to, to piece together. And like everything else with witchcraft, you're going to have to come up with a hypothesis, devise your experiment, and test it. And you're going to fail. Uh, and figure out you weren't right with things and then you got to go back and and move things around and do it again success on the first try probably means you're fooling yourself just yeah. you're not going to get it right on the first try you're not going to get it right on the 10th try you just don't have enough information at that point so it has to be worked again and again and again and come back to and tweaked and and you have to go travel and learn some things and come back and integrate that and, and then go travel somewhere else and learn some things and come back and integrate that again and again and again and again. Mm. Um, Deb said so many things I've learned since participating in this chat. Oh, that's good. That's what we're trying to do. Um, Eddie Crow said, thank you, Rakai. Um, Pisces skipping along, singing, la la, orgasm. <laughs> Always gets people's attention. <laughs> Text <them. laughs> to remember we had to we used to have group talks um what's one one woman on the group talk and she used to she used to be listening and stuff but she'd be like walking around and then we'd all go silent and then one of us would go sex and she'd look <laughs> <laughs> yep yep uh, um <laughs> Son said, uh, I feel like I'm hardcore missing out by not having a compass. I actually think everybody has a compass um, to some degree. You know, we all have a worldview. We may not come call it a compass, um, but I think the difference becomes or comes in when we take that worldview and we it becomes a multi-dimensional universe. 
that we can move into and out of. Worldview is usually something we think about as your beliefs, your understanding, your perspectives on things. And worldview extends into how we can interact with everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and um, it's, it's holistic. It's all of the occult knowledge you know, all of the mythology yeah. you understand, and how it relates to everything. It's a map. It's a map of everything. Mm. And it's made out of the territory. It's made out of reality. And by having a thorough understanding of all of that and being able to put it together, then you can get, you can find the bones. You can mm. understand what's behind it, what's underneath it, what's down there, and you can change it. But, you know, um, it's like... So you, let's use a modern analogy. The compass is the computer, the interface, the bus system, the electricity, the internet, um, all the mouse, the keyboard, everything you use to manipulate it. It's not just the program. It's not just what you see on the screen. It's everything all connected together that allows that all to happen. Now, in order to change it, you need to understand several different parts of it. You, if you want to write a new program, you at least need to know how to code, or at least you used to before ChatGPT. Um, I see so many people coding and just garbled crap they don't need. But anyways, if you want to code well, you need to know how to code. But if you want to understand why the code works the way it does and you want to code in multiple languages you need to understand what is a computer actually doing how do bus systems work what does ram speed really mean uh, what's the difference between doing it local and, and doing server callouts and so on and so forth that's the kind of knowledge translated over to an occult frame that we're talking about that happens when you build your compass and it's a lifelong pursuit. Every time you learn something, it has to fit into the relational scheme of your worldview or you reject it. Mm -hmm. And the difference here is we're doing it consciously. We're doing it on purpose. We're looking for holes. We're looking for pieces that don't match. We're trying to figure out why does this pattern work and this pattern work and I can't make them intermesh. Obviously, I don't understand something. And so you go looking for that. That's um a big part of of what to me being a witch means is understanding that underlying core patterning how things work because i want to muck about with them <laughs> I, I want to change how things work i want a different outcome that's what magic is so this is this is the method by which traditional witchcraft does that we do have our own vocabulary and it's on purpose um because if i uh, no matter what word I use, no matter um, how I describe something, you have ideas about what those words mean. If I say tree, you have, a, you have a bunch of ideas about what tree means. And I may use tree to an advantage, but it may also be a disadvantage. And so a lot of times uh, we find in traditional witchcraft, on the one hand, we have os or... Um, uh, decorum that protect us from saying certain things so that we don't give you confirmation bias. We don't describe exactly what happens in an initiation ritual because we'd blow it for you. 
That's not cool. Mm. You need to experience that in your own experience and then do the analyzing instead of analyzing first. We might use weird terms like plowing the bloody acre because it doesn't mean anything to you. You don't have cognitive bias to go along with it. You don't have ideas about what that means. So you can have a fresh experience. So yeah, there's a lot of terminology and a lot of um, things that sound foreign and, and we kind of circumlocate and, and and dance around a lot of topics and things. And that's the reason. It's not because we're trying to be elitist or we're trying to keep secrets or we're trying to say, you know, we're, we're better than the Wiccans and the Gardnerians, which is what a lot of people think the Cochranites do. We're trying to protect... Well, Cochran did. <laughs> Cochran did, to a certain degree. Um, we're trying to protect the craft. Not for the essence of the craft itself, but for the sacred and holy mystery that is passed on to each new person that takes up the mantle of witch that takes up the, the working experience. and the experience you deserve to have the experience in its purest form and not a bunch of our bias and cognitive laid on top of it so mm. you know i know it can sound very confusing and it can sound like a whole lot but that's there's a reason for all of that and um, hopefully you can understand the motivation for it and see it for what it is as opposed to assuming it's keeping secrets and being an elitist and and you know stop telling everybody a compass isn't like a circle because you walk around in a circle and you've got a knife in your hand well <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, she said in the beginning it doesn't need to be a circle yeah um Deb said, remember to put thumbs up for the podcast. Uh, thank you. Yes, everybody, yep. thumbs up. Help the algorithm love us too. Yep. Um, Jono said, I'm not super clever. I'm only an engineer. I'm trying really hard. Okay. Is the compass round the fabric of our personal reality and drawing our compass is magically mapping out the nature of our reality? Yes. Yes. Good job. Yes. Correct answer. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. You're a very, very good engineer. Um, and Pamela said, thank you so much for this. I really learned a lot. That's great stuff. All right. Solomon has a question. If I wanted to run out and start a compass today, where would I begin? Buying a cord or buying cords. Um, get a notebook and a pen. Um, actually, I would recommend you get the book. The witch's compass or the compass round is it the witch's compass or the compass round i better look that out by ian chambers ian chambers the witch's compass witch's compass yeah that is a very good book the witch compass working with the, the winds compass. in traditional witchcraft by ian chambers it's a very good yeah. book um of, of course it's not going to be specific to any given uh, tradition except the one that he's working but it guides you through building a compass step by step um mm. and like that he gives you a set of names for the arts uh, that you can use you will probably learn new names we all do that's part of the deal um like when you make a good friend you end up with a shorthand with them and nicknames that you call each other and nobody else uses those that's how it works with spirits mm. so um when you encounter different names that's just the way that's going there are some things in there that 
he does that I don't do, and there are things that I do that aren't in the book, but uh, so what? That's the nature of, of the craft. And I would say mm -hmm. don't ever buy a cord. Cords are so personal. You want to make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, another book you might want to get is Peter Padden's um, Grimoire for Modern Cutting Folk. Mm, yeah. Yes. Also excellent. And what's nice there, if you've got both, you can then compare and see how different two people would work. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, Ian's book is great because it includes the, the eights or the, the, the wins. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> a lot of books don't now. Yeah, I think, well. I think the wins are really important. And I think that's another reason to work outside. There's no doubt when you're outside and you call up a wind and it responds. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think the difficulty of the winds, um, and it's, I think we've mentioned it actually before is that it's, it's very much location based. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, the winds themselves are the names of them are from, from the Greek. Um, but that then sort of is the Northern hemisphere. So when we're working in the Southern hemisphere, it's, the winds would be very different. Um, oh. so it's a case of trying to discover them all fresh. Yeah, the winds that I work with definitely don't match uh, what's coming out of Europe, which is yeah. what you find in the books, which is why I say, don't get hung up on those names, um, yeah. you know, and don't get hung up on the idea of an element belonging to a direction. That's yeah. very much a modern neo-pagan, neo-wicca thing. That is not a traditional witchcraft thing. We work with the directions. The elements are movable. And in fact, you will learn multiple compasses with multiple arrangements of the elements in, in different correspondences to the directions. And they mean different things. They're used in different lands. They're different ways of being. They're all, none of them are wrong, but they're all right. And so many people are like, well, you know, air goes in the east or air goes in the north or you have to have fire in the south or whatever. And Yes, I can make a justification for every arrangement, all 16 of them. And when you include the, um, you know, uh, intermediate directions and the other four elements, or if you go through the classical hermetic elements of uh, wet, dry, hot, and cold, you get a whole different understanding of what's going on. So don't get hung up on that. And don't get hung up on what's right and what's wrong. Because they're probably all right. It's just where are you mm. yeah. and also remember that when you move into one particular direction you've got a whole new compass mm -hmm. so if you do place a particular element in the east you move into the east you've got all the elements there anyway so. yep and i mean if they're, you, all, they're all, all over the place if you take a big <laughs> global view of things no matter where you stand on you could throw a rock and if it entered orbit it'd come back around everything's east of you everything's north of you everything's south of you everything's west of you because mm. it's all a big circle it's all a big globe it all rotates around so yes i can i can say that fire is in the east but i can also say earth is in the east and it is also in the west because it is in the east mm. and all those sorts of things are there present in the compass Inside, up, outside, upside, down. 
Yeah. Yeah. In is Feel out and way. up is down. There we go. And, and we're still just talking about plane one here. Mm. <laughs> mm. It comes in layers. <laughs> and it gets more complex as that happens because we're talking about all of reality, physical reality, all of the non-corporeal reality, all of all of spirits and everything. It's all in the compass. All encompassed in the compass. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, the reason I said um, get a notebook and a pen is to just start mapping it out, um, mm -hmm. getting it out of your head, getting your own worldview out of your head and putting it onto something you can see. Um, yeah. And just working with it from there. Yeah, and you'll... Letting it grow. Um, in uh, Ian Chambers' book, he has exercises that guide you through that process that start with the... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> The associations and the the laying out of the basic things. John is very excited. He's having a party because he's got everything right. <laughs> uh, Luna's very proud of him. Uh, he's a clever boy, yes. <laughs> Deb said, oh, baby. Um, John. <laughs> Go get fish, my love. You're going to close. Okay. Gotta have our public service announcements here. Yes, public service announcements, everybody. Lena said, don't worry, I'll go soon. We're not going to go hungry. That's good stuff. That's a very important thing. Um, and Deb said, thanks and take care. All right, I think we're ending the show now then. <laughs> we're wrapping it up for us. We didn't even talk Wrap about why, why grain. Um, Oh, there's lots we didn't talk about. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll circle around to all these topics again. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep do. going for years and years. Yeah. As you do. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, any well, other it's... questions about what the compass round? Have we have we circled <laughs> round to I everything? Exhausted. I think everybody's exhausted now. Oops, I lost my place. Wait, there we go. Oh, no. Wrong button. Sorry. There we go. I'm back, everybody. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's uh, the end of today's show. And uh, all right. until some questions come through. Um, Luna said, thank you so much, guys. Your type person to you all. And to you. All right, yes. End of show. Next week, we are going to be talking about other forms of subcasting, which will, as I said, probably just revolve around your neo-pagan, neo-wicca, ceremonial uh, type of circle. And I think we can do some more um, compare and contrast because uh, there's not nearly as much to talk about with circle casting. And I think yeah. people are much more familiar with it. Um, at least I gathered that from the beginning of our chat here. So. Yeah. So Solomon did ask white flower. Well, because the same reason uh, that we offer wine and beer to the gods, uh, mm. it's it's the mystery. The grain. grain, grain is mm. the seed that we eat. We turned grass that we can't eat into the staple of civilization, and when we take it and we grind it, we make flour, which is the backbone uh, of food 
for the vast majority of people and cultures. And so this is an offering of the essence of life, but it is transformed by human hands. It is ground in the mill and it is the mill that makes magic. Uh, that magic that turns this inedible hard little seed that the only thing you can do with it is plant it and grow more plants. You can't eat it. You can't digest a hard dried seed. Um, you can't just eat wheat berries. It will make you sick. You know, it has to be ground, it has to be turned into flour, it has to be cooked, it has to be transformed into this living thing that is bread and wine or bread and beer. The yeast is the magic. And so that flour is representative of the, the mill, the mill of magic, the grain. But also there's some pretty cool things that happen when you sprinkle grain flour on the ground. You interact with life and the soil in different ways. If you regularly put a circle of flour down, and, and any grain, rice, wheat, corn, uh, anything like that, um, you will change the patterns of the soil microbes and the insects and the birds and everything else. You will grow new life, not through seed, not through plant, but through animal magic, and, and change that life cycle. In a different way and it's uh, really cool go outside and sprinkle some flour on the ground draw some patterns in you know under the moonlight with flour it's magical it looks different it transforms space and we find this drawing with these powders all over the world um, there is rangoli in, in india uh, there are sand paintings in tibet uh, there's veve in uh, conjure in southern conjure uh, and in northern africa uh, it happens everywhere that we have these kinds of things this transformation and participating in that mystery in that life cycle of food and sustenance but in another way using it in another way because i mean witchcraft is about subversion it's about transgression it's about crossing those boundaries it's about going to the places that people don't go so that's a core component of rooting into that land along with the water for the ghost roads along with the plowing that happens you need a metal instrument to plow the ground you know um, along with with the stang that aligns you with the north star road and, and brings the pole star down the nail of heaven and brings that celestial realm, the turning the mill of magic into the earth, into this very personal, little personal space, and binds it all together with the cord and the magic of weaving and plying in knots that allows us to make clothing and allows us to make cordage and ropes and build ladders and ships and all of these sorts of things. Every piece of this is a mystery that unfolds like a compass. It's not, none of it's simple. None of it's, um, you know, uh, restricted uh, or, or small in any way. None of it is just what it is. And, and I think that's true whenever we reflect on the compass, because when you just watch someone lay a compass, what does it look like? They walk around in a circle. They might say some words sometimes, not always. They sprinkle some stuff on the ground, they put a knife in the dirt, and then they move a stick around. It doesn't look like much. It looks very primitive. It looks very 
um, simplistic, but there's massive, massive background there. There is mythology, there is cosmology, there is the creation of life and the essence of time itself being turned and manipulated and, and woven through. And you have to have all of that background. You have to have all of that understanding back there for the compass to come alive, for witchcraft to be witchcraft. Otherwise, it's just playing with sticks and, and knives in the dirt. Mm. Tom did say that's beautiful, and I have to agree. I think so, too. It's pretty magical. I mean, um, you know, remember that holy and sacred, sacred means cut off, to remove and set apart. But holy means mystery, means we don't understand it. And so to illuminate the mysteries is part of what working the craft is, to bring those mysteries to the surface where we can experience them and participate in them again and again. It's, it's to make holy, to make us holy. And laying a compass is not um, a cutting apart. It, it is sacred space, but it's more better called holy space because we become the mystery. We become part of it. We go into it. Uh, we um, put it all together in such a way that it can only be understood through experience. The mystery on the page is dead, but um, when we participate in it, when we reenact it, I hate the re there, um, we become part of the mystery because life is the necessary component. Action is a necessary component. And understanding is what brings it alive, what makes it holy. All right. Um, Jonah said, yeah, I must ask, ask a question, but it's wine time. Thanks for the, thanks for the steam. Okay. <laughs> well, as always, join us on the Discord to continue the conversation, ask more questions where we can talk more in depth and uh, mm. maybe have a bit more time to think things through, you know, uh, but mm. we're always happy to, to keep talking and to explore things. And especially if you asked a question and we answered it and you went, uh, what? But there wasn't time <laughs> to say that, you know, come to the Discord. Because uh, just because we explained it one way doesn't mean that it made sense. And someone said, someone said uh, thank you guys. I learned so much today. It's awesome. Pleasure. Okay, so wrapping up today's show, next week we're going to, well, I said, we're going to be talking about other circle casting techniques and things like that. Um, and we'll see you then. Thank you. One. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This was a wonderful chat. I love talking with everyone, and I'm so glad you're here and spending your time with us and asking all your questions and, and putting up with our long, rambling answers. <laughs> and if anybody, if anybody is celebrating Christmas, um, Merry Christmas to you on Monday. Monday. Three yeah. days from now, whenever that is. There we go. <laughs> Monday. I don't know what day it is today. It must be Friday, but I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Time's not real. I'm not on the outside of the wheel. I'm in the middle of my compass. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for the chat. Chat was great again today. I uh, love the interaction. Bye. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.